Ebb and flow inspires persistence and determination during the rhythmical patterns of decline and regrowth in life. Each episode, I bring on an inspiring and influential voices who are here to help us stand strong and walk through the ebb moments of life and propel us to the peak of our health, physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually, so we can live our life in the flow, individually and collectively. This includes strategies, habits, routines, focus tricks, questions, and much more that we can use to live our life in the best way in order to maximize our service to others. Thanks for joining me today. I hope you're as excited for the Ebb and Flow podcast as I am, but to make sure you don't miss any episodes, subscribe now on any stream, check out YouTube, or visit SolomonEzra.com to learn more. Welcome to the final episode of Season 2 of Ebb and Flow and to a perfect topic suiting for the end of this season. This episode is all about you and how to find and own your voice, including topics of listening, meditation, and affirmations, and tips to understanding which voice is yours and how to truly listen to the one that's most authentic to you. Self-awareness is such a popular topic and is commonly emphasized as a major key to success. There are many courses about it, yet ultimately... As the skill implies, only you can be aware of it. Or, as the saying goes, teachers can open the door, but only you can walk through. Sahar Paz is a communication strategist, author of Find Your Voice, and CEO of Own Your Voice, and she's here to help us listen to the voice that is most authentic to ourselves. I hope you enjoy this episode and share it with someone you think it can help. Until next time, my friends, thanks for tuning in to these podcast episodes and the guests that I've been fortunate to have on and all of their gifts that they're sharing with us. Take care. Thank you. Um, I'd love to start with, you know, how we kind of met, which is amazing. And you're giving an awesome speech at the Pod Houston event that we had. I don't remember. When was that? It was many months? Uh, June? Yeah, this past summer. July, yeah, <laughs> somewhere like that. I can't believe it's October, but yes. But we're uh, we'll say summer if that's cool. Summer that works. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and I I remember walking. I think that was one of our first, or at least one of the first ones I attended, okay. and I just kind of could recognize and have observed, you know, your presence and then how you were able to deliver a speech. It was so. It it was just very beautiful and very uh, memorable because when you listen to somebody speak, they can have, you know, somebody can always say the most wonderful things, a a teacher per se, like if you go to a lecture, but Mm -hmm. there's always, there's also sometimes the delivery has so much of a impact on the receiver and how they hear it. Um, So that I wanted to kind of start off with, and I'd love to dive into. Um, but at first, right. I'd hear a little bit about your background, how you grew up and came into this wonderful business, Own Your Voice, that you started. And, you know, you are very, how would you say, not knowledgeable, but um, very high in emotional intelligence. And it's, it's very... Um, perceivable even meeting you in the first time I mean it took me a while to figure it out but uh, yeah I'm happy to dive into the journey and uh, the mistakes before knowing like hey this is my lane or that's not 
you know, whatever. I'm, I'm good at a good bob and weave. I, I think we, you and I had a great, you had such good questions um, after my talk. So I feel really uh, confident and excited about this because I feel like you, uh, you and I are kind of on the same wavelength. So I can definitely bob and weave with your questions. And awesome. um, yeah, so. Thank you. I'm, I'm down to go however you want to go. Awesome. Well, let's start out with um, what I, I like to ask my guests usually is to kind of walk me through, um, you know, your background, how you got into what you're doing now up to kind of how we met and up to this point and what really sparked a different inspiration and sparked different big decisions. Um, because when I remember listening, you know, your childhood wasn't so easy there's there as as a lot of people that i look up to have there's always some kind of pivotal moment that really shifts the mindset and changes the direction of life and they go on to really just serving and and creating such wonder and i've been honored you know so I've been honored to be able to speak now to whether it's a, in the fitness industry or somebody in emotional intelligence and has a business like yourself where authors are psychologists to be able to recognize that pattern. And with that, you know, I can, I can read up a little bit something about a guest like yourself online or hear from other people, but it's, it's always more meaningful to me when I hear it straight from you. So could you kind of walk us through your journey? walk you through the journey. I'll say that for me, it's been a bunch of small pivotal moments that have, that have added up. So um, the, the biggest uh, reason for my why is being an observer of a community having their voice taken. And this community started with seeing the folks within my own home and within my own family, watching their uh, emotions go from hopeful, you know, pleasant people to tired, weary, uh, and paranoid. And this was a direct correlation to what was happening both in the media and in the streets. Mm -hmm. And uh, that was growing up in Iran during an Islamic revolution. So this was prior to the war. It was uh, the riots. It was um, clashes in the media of what the people wanted and what this regime came over. So I began to see how that wore on my family, um, it, how wore on their faces, how wore on the tone of their voices. And mm -hmm. I just was like a sponge, like many kids taking this in, taking this in, taking this in. And because of the nature of um, what was happening in our community, I was in the house a lot. So, uh, you know, playing by myself or playing with my toys became uh, natural. And I believe that, both of these things have really fed to one, me being very aware of people, their process, what affects them. And then two, having the ability to write this narrative, right? So when I'm able to play tea party by myself because it's too mm -hmm. dangerous to go outside in my adult life, this, this translates into being able to uh, write a book or communication strategies for the people mm -hmm. or the brands that I work with. So um, understanding people and the power of emotions, it just comes from one, seeing it my first seven years and feeling, feeling like I had no control over it. And then I come to the, to the States, the land of the free, where everything is made available to me. 
And I noticed how me, along with other folks that are free, are, are holding ourselves back, are timid um, by our own voices, are uh, oppressing our own emotions because we don't know how to deal with them, um, are, you know, there are these other messages in media that are maybe not making us fearful, but making us adopt things of being fearful of being ourselves. So kind of like the same heartbeat, two different cultures. And um, I carried this with me. And what happened, like many people, uh, we're all chasing feelings. And, and of the top feelings that we chase is wanting to feel that we are both um, accepted and accomplished. So uh, wanting to be accepted became very confusing because of where I started in Iran and coming to the States and having such two different messages given to me. Um, and then wanting to be accomplished, there was the accomplishments that I wanted in my heart, which were always of the creative nature, but then there were the accomplishments that were accepted by my culture, my family and, and society at large. Hmm. So uh, these really carried with me and I, and I worked my little tush off Right. So if I remember the messages, they told me, hey, you're not smart. So what I did instead of working hard at studying, I worked like a workhorse. Mm -hmm. And if we remember with the feelings I'm chasing of wanting to be accepted and uh, accomplished, I'm, I'm working hard and making sure that I'm pleasing everybody in, in this circumference. So this led to me burning out. This led to me going from finance, which I thought that's what I should be doing, to saying, hey, I'm going to feed my little creative nature and pivot to fashion um, and fed the left and the right brain. Yeah. And then finally, at the age of 33, thought, okay, like I'm literally all of these decisions are one after the other, a tumbling of not what is authentic to me. And that's when I truly... Uh, found my own voice, you know, truly and literally. I, I wrote the book um, and got to know how my purpose and my profession could come together. So my purpose comes back from being that girl who saw the people's emotions change, right? My profession came to being a professional communicator, being a professional champion of other people because I, I when you figure out how to stop people pleasing, you can figure out that that's where you can become a champion of other people and use it for good. So um, it was at the age of 33 that all those melded into Find Your Voice, which is a memoir uh, and really a course in emotional intelligence, understanding the feelings that you're chasing that make you who you are. And it was a great uh, three years of speaking and going across the nation. And um, it was there where my purpose really said, okay, I know that you want to change the world, but the reality is you by yourself can't do it. And on the road, we met so many people that can help you do it. And so how do I take this story? How do I take this brand of Find Your Voice? How do I take this movement and offer the next level, not only to myself, but to the people in my community? And, and that became Own Your Voice and where I'm personal branding other conscious leaders that have solutions and voices that my voice or my thought leadership would not reach. Yeah. Um, so there was a good 15 years where I didn't understand how this was adding up. Oh my gosh, I'm in finance. Now I'm in fashion. You know, the economy crashed and I, I went into philanthropy for a bit. 
And then I, I added all those three up into, into find your voice. And so if for anyone listening who may be confused by what I just shared, know that uh, it all adds up and your, your purpose has you making decisions that get you closer and closer to closer to understanding what that is for you. And did you didn't necessarily know that it would evolve into what own your voice is today? Or did you have kind of a vision of it back when you, when you first had the kind of spark of inspiration at 33, I think you said, when you realized, wow, this, this finance isn't working, you started to add the creativity. There also must have been some kind of uh, experience that kind of really shifted that, I would, I think. <clears throat> Yes. Other than, you know, the big thing was like a lot of us, we want our work to have purpose and we want to make sure it's really providing a solution. And so uh, finance, I, there wasn't the creative aspect. And so I said, okay, I would love to learn the business of fashion. And that's where I had initially pivoted to. And the reason I'm sharing this with you is because that's where that aha moment happened. Okay. So in fashion, I was like, cool, I got you know, the one side of my brain that needs the business and logistics. And then I have the other side that's working with a product that's created that I enjoy. So I happened to finally think that I'm smart enough and went back to college, graduated at the age of 30 to have my dream job. And the vision then was I'm going to work my way up the fashion industry in New York and then be able to leverage what I know to help the inner city kiddos. Well, the day before I was supposed to start my dream job, I got let go. Why? Because it was 2008. I'm 30 years old in the middle of an economic meltdown. Yeah. Fuck me. So this was, um, that was a really low blow uh, to my gut, to my confidence, to everything. And it was then where first I span into, you know, to this like freelancer's life and really began to understood how I could leverage my personal brand, which those days was my space. <laughs> and, um, and I did. And I, I, began to have fashion programs, um, which I ran for four years. And these were the business of fashion programs. And the kids did really well, meaning GPA got up, uh, scholarships to college and so forth. But I noticed when the program was over, the same issues were there with the pattern people. And that bothered me. Fashion felt fickle. This, uh, this momentum that I was hoping to have created when I, you know, when I first graduated wasn't what I really... Um, envisioned. It felt like a band-aid. And so that's when I really took a step back. And the step back meant leaving New York after 10 years, shutting down the non nonprofit before its fifth year, and moving to Puerto Rico for a year where I just bartered. I just bartered because I really wanted to the gra grassroots level of people and change and me. How am I going to be a part of that solution in a way that's not going to burn me out? And that, that, that was the burnout with the, with the fashion program. So, um, so the root of the problem became voice, and that's where Find Your Voice came. And so when I sat and did Find Your Voice, to me, I, I had just my personal brand and scaling my personal brand as the long-term vision, which means here's my book, I'm going to have my speaking, and then from that, I know that I will have different products that will come out. Um, whether that's me working B2B, you know, doing consulting for businesses and leaders, having digital products, so on and so forth, which all of those things evolved and have, have happened. But what has spun off and become Own Your Voice is 
what I did not foresee. And the reason I didn't foresee it is this, and this is for anyone who wants to share their story and make their story a part of their profession. Sharing my story over and over with Find Your Voice re-traumatized me. Wow. Yeah. So. I was going to say, because you kind of identified with it and it kind of kept you stuck in that. Uh, so imagine you write this book and it's very cathartic and I got it out. I am free. Now for the next three years, I have to go and read these stories and tell these tales over and over and over and over again. I'm hearing myself say it. I'm feeling the vibration. It's landing on my ears. It's landing on my nervous system and my brain. My body is going back into fight and flight. Even though I know it's not logical, this is what's happening. And therefore, the decisions that I begin to make from this place is back to that girl who's in survival mode. And now I am four years into this beautiful Find Your Voice brand, um, almost four years, and I, my PTSD is at an all-time high. I've made decisions that are not the best for me personally or professionally, and I'm having to step away from it all. I stepped away from it all for a year and a half. And I went and worked in, a, in an agency, in an agency space where I, I was, uh, uh, you know, they said, never hire a Persian. They're just going to come in here and do this and this, sizzle and no meat. You know, uh, just very biased. And, and what happened is that, that purpose and that mission that was find your voice became entrenched in this one organization. Um, and my family had an intervention for me to leave. And when an immigrant family says, leave your job before you have another plan, you know, this, this is serious, right? Mm -hmm. So those were the culmination of like big things. So when I started the Find Your Voice, no, I didn't have Own Your Voice in sight. But I needed to learn that um, I, how personal is your personal brand? How much will you share the story? When will you begin mm -hmm. to pivot it before you, right? And, and in, this, in the same time that I'm re-traumatizing myself, I'm learning that I like people and not products, right? So I go into this agency space where I'm working with Rolex and AT&T and, and brands with really healthy budgets, but I'm learning that products are not my jam. So at the same time, I'm working in this crazy culture. I'm learning products are not my jam. And that's how I really go back to, okay, I, I can't go back to my own, telling my own story and find your voice. I still want to change the world by helping others find their voice. Yeah. And that's how Own, own Your Voice um, became a natural evolution. And that natural evolution was me quitting that job and really soul searching and putting feeling, feelers out there for a good nine months. Wow. Your awareness growing up and, and throughout the whole journey, it was amazing in how you were able to observe not only the people around you, but the culture and then the media. How did that translate to then all the practices that you put in your book, whether it was questions or the other things, how did you really cultivate that to build, to, to then evolve into the emotional intelligence that you have now? Because was it mainly through experience? Because when you were sharing, it kind of sounded like that. Um, but were you also reading different things or practicing maybe some kind of discipline? Yeah, cognitive behavior. So um, it's been 
a lot of my body has felt like an out-of-body experience, if I, if I can relate it that way, in the sense of I'm recognized and see my patterns that come from this, you know, tumultuous experiences. Mm-hmm. And I like I'm acting in those ways sometimes and I'm watching it happen and then I catch it, right? So Find Your Voice was one me sharing my story. So there's nine creative nonfiction stories. And then all of it, each chapter is followed up with a reflection guide that's based on cognitive behavior, which is simply, what were you thinking? How did that make you feel? And how do those feelings spark action? And that action for me is your spoken voice, because ultimately, right, that's how the decisions get made in our life, whatever Mm -hmm. decision that is in any area of your life, you verbally agree to it. Yeah. Right? First step whether it's within yourself or with someone else, and whether it's a click or whatever, that those are words, that's communication. Um, so it's cognitive behavior what was the essence of what I do. And it is emotional intelligence because it's understanding my thoughts lead to these feelings. Then how am I gonna deal with these feelings? And that's where your voice gives you a choice. A lot of us just go into those patterns, thoughts, feelings, I'm gonna act like I always do act like I always do, get the same results and get frustrated, right? So it's in that middle part where I really hone in on um, in the course and that's emotional intelligence, knowing what to do with the good and the bad emotions that come your way. That's beautiful. Did you ever kind of look at, there's been like one practice that I really, that really helped me get the aha is I would, especially like for me, I love putting things on paper like whether it's thought or whatever, I can see it more objectively. Although of course there's always a little bit of subjectivity, but I would put different activities I had been doing uh, throughout a day or just throughout kind of my life up to a certain point and then the thoughts and feelings around it. And then, you know, then it would learn different things that not only with like with observing what's going on around me, I also became aware and observed that I created in a way those experiences that I'm seeing whatever I'm seeing as a reflection. So with that, did, did you ever kind of like put things on paper or did you, cause you had that initial awareness and growing up, which is beautiful, especially at such a, a young age, or, or was it kind of, was that part of the cognitive behavior that you mentioned? Yeah. Yeah, paper is huge. Um, pen on paper is needed for all of us to like constructively think. Like our brain literally needs it, even if you're not a writer. And that's one of the, you know, in the work I do now when I go in with organizations that have issues with the different generations in the workplace, that's one of the reasons is, uh, constructive thinking doesn't happen over slack and IMs. like you literally need to write it out so I have I mean when I went to Puerto Rico after that 10 years in New York I had one full suitcase just of journals so writing was kind of a thing <laughs> and um, <laughs> yeah and so it, and it's not just journaling you know uh, some people have a hard time writing it's streams of consciousness you can draw it everyone's voice expresses itself in different ways. Um, so I had to write because when you are so aware and so analytical, which Solomon, I know you, you get this, 
we got to get it out of our head. Mm -hmm. Ooh, there's a lot of noise in there, you know, we have up to 70,000 thoughts in a day. And that's what one of the practices is figuring out how to write that out, whether it's I'm going to give a percentage to my emotions mm. or I'm going to name my patterns or my personality inside on what certain days, right? We talked about that psychic fill, black and white Bob, when they think all or nothing or tell the future before you begin, right? Um, confident Kate, whatever. So writing and being able to identify and name the voices inside were, were huge for me. Wow. All right, I want to take a little of a, a jump now, diving into own your voice, find your voice. And one big thing that I'm really passionate about, and I can tell you are, is like you were mentioning with, there's lots of, especially analytical, there's like that different voices, whether it's voices from, you know, your religious teacher, your um, schools, your teachers, your parents, your society, even yourself. Can you explain what you mean by one's voice? Because of, initially it might not make sense, you know, like, oh yeah, I have my voice. But until you really kind of even do the practice and when I, I sent you kind of topic ideas, if you, I don't know if you ever read um, Paolo Coelho's By the River Pidge, I sat on a wet, but it's kind of like the, the um, what's the other, um, what's it, um, the name slipped, but like kind of the practice of the other that he talks about where you, you look at the different things that you and experiences and thoughts and feelings and, and your whole personality leading up to that point. Yes. Um, it's hard. It's extremely challenging to understand like who your voice is. And that's why I ask folks to name it. Right. Because, mm. uh, if we go back to our beautiful brain, our brain mapping happens twice in our lifetime. First time is when we're about the age of seven and it's like, okay, this is who I am. This is how I, my give and take with society. This is where I fit in. And then it happens again in our, when we're around 16 for all of us, um, where we're really identifying our self of identity and back and forth with the give and take. So for me, going back to living this out of body experience, it's for a lot of us, it's this kind of like restlessness we feel or, or worry or anxiety or knowing that we're not breaking through to our potential. A lot of us understand that we're holding ourselves back or understand like, this is not the life I want to be living, or this is not exactly what I want to be doing. Mm -hmm. So when we're not sure, and how do we listen to that actual voice inside? Well, um, the voice I want you to find is the one that's most authentic to you. And it won't just happen overnight in an aha moment. Yeah. This, this has to be you learning one, how to constructively listen to yourself. And that goes back to, I'm going to name these voices. I'm going to see when am I feeling the most joy? Where do I feel the most confidence? When is my mind actually most at peace and I don't hear the voice? When am I the most doubtful or fearful? And really like listening to yeah. yourself and seeing yourself in different situations. And then chase those feelings, chase those feelings that make you feel comfortable in your skin, chase the feelings that bring you true happiness, the true joy. Um, and the, your feelings won't lie. They're, they're a sensory pad for your soul. And what we have to do is understand that noise. And it's ultimately finding your voice for me is finding all those different voices understanding which one is yours and you won't know that unless you feel it out on a gut level 
on a gut level. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's life. We're all going to have to do certain things and make certain sacrifices that we don't want to. But it's understanding when do we just kind of bow down and surrender to like, okay, well, I don't have a choice in the matter to understanding that you do. To, you know, um, so go back. What was happening to you for seven years? What happened in your teenage years? What was your view of yourself and your identity in the world? Was that true to who you are today? Or are there some patterns that need to be take unlearning? Are those voices the ones that are still controlling your decisions? So it's a lot of listening. It's a lot of labeling. And then it's a lot of small perspective decisions made over and over yeah. and over, right? I'm sorry, I'm, this sounds so like, ugh, but it's no, it takes, the reality. It takes a lot of will and, and an effort on some level because it's also effortless. Um, what tips do you have for really listening? Do you, any kind of practices or meditation? Because also, I love what you said with, you know, deciding more of the emotions that you want to feel on a daily basis. And I did a practice similar to that. And like kind of, you know, how, after I, after you look at how you do think, how you did feel, okay, now how do I want to feel and think on a daily basis? What thoughts do I want to fire and wire? Uh, in my brain. And then from there, you know, of course, a lot of us want to feel similar emotions. And of course, that doesn't mean you always want to feel, you know, happy, because you also need, you know, like the movie Inside Out, you need the sadness as well, but you can feel joy or an acceptance from a higher perspective, you know, even in an argument with somebody mm -hmm. or, or after failing, quote unquote, failing something. So with that, like a practice I like to do it, like in meditation, you can kind of embody those emotions and become that intention to, um, for example, connect with your authentic self. And so instead of like really chasing like an emotion, because I'm sure you mean well, but I'd like to kind of clarify like, you don't, I don't think you mean like, oh, this thing makes me really feel good. So I'm just going to continue doing that. Do you kind of, you are aware and observe that and, and tell, okay, you know, I really like this aspect. And like you noticed with, when you were doing the media agency, you found, wow, I really love working with people. But you also, you allow that to kind of like guide you and you embody that emotion and see where it takes you because that also, you know, turned out to more than you even imagined with what the, the brand is now. Yeah. Um, well, it, this, I can answer you in twofold. Um, when I say we're chasing feelings, right, we do things to get that feeling. So I want to feel happy. And I'm going to maybe go buy something to feel happy or watch a comedy to go, you know, feel happy, or go on a date. Right. So um, first is understanding what is that feeling you're chasing, where it's happy or the accomplished or the accepted. And then on your way to, to getting that feeling, what are you trying out? And of those actions, what is that that you think you should be doing? Right. So if, if I'm chasing accomplished, I should be working in finance or I should be a lawyer. I should be all these things. Right. 
So it's more like uh, the feeling is the target down the road and the activities. You're trying to figure out what are the activities that are, make this feeling true for me. And that becomes, that becomes uh, challenging in a way because some of it is, you know, that's where we're unlearning. Hey, you know, um, you can go and read three steps to joy and everybody will tell you like, one, two, and three. So you go and try those three steps, but that may not be what it is, what it is for you. Um, I love the practice of meditation. I think for a lot of people, it's really hard to just get into meditation and, and diving in uh, to that. You know, they can't get their mind to stop. Um, and uh, it becomes more of a challenge. What I, what I like to do is have folks come up with their affirmations. And I'm not a big fan of affirmations. What I'm a fan of is the moment after. So whatever the affirmation is, because this is what you truly want. I want to be confident. I want to have, you know, I will have my own business. So whatever that affirmation is, say it. And then right afterwards, what's your voice rebuttaling? And that's where I want you to pay attention to because how your voice rebuttals in that moment, you have a choice. You could go on with that narrative. You could name that voice and shut it up and say, no, I'm not going to listen to that. Mm -hmm. um, or, and you can also understand how that rebuttal, if it's negative, is actually preparing you. Pessimism prepares you because you have thought about every single way that this can go wrong and you realize that's your contingency plan, right? Sadness allows you to know that you're pouring love into the details. Sadness, you're really thinking about those details. So and you're in, if you can't meditate and say, I'm feeling pessimistic, I'm feeling the sadness, I'm feeling the anger. Anger's, anger says, this meant something to me, this is important to me. That's what anger means. So um, if you can't, if meditation is sitting there and embodying those feelings for you to process it and let it go is not a, a solid starting point for you, I would say understand the positive side of those neg negative emotions. Okay, so I am feeling really angry today. And I have every right to feel angry because this means something to me. I'm angry because this is important. And, and what I have to say perhaps is not being heard. And it's giving validity to that emotion so that you can process it. So you can say, okay, this is what it is. Because without processing it, then the narrative gets stuck and we stay angry, we stay sad, we stay whatever. So, so you need to understand like the purpose. That? Kind of like loving the whatever you are feeling. Exactly, what, what is the purpose of this emotion? Why do I have it? And let me embrace that purpose, accept that purpose and pay gratitude. All right, thank you for letting me know I'm alive. Thank you for letting me know this matters to me. And you're giving me a chance for a solution. Anger gives me motivation. It's lighting something under my tush to go do something and be confident. Sadness is allowing me to think about the details that I may have not thought about before. And next time, those are details I won't forget. Pessimism is preparing me. I got a contingency plan like a mofo. I'm ready with plan A, B, and C. There's no reason for me to not go do it. <laughs> the gifts, the gifts of all of our emotions. Yeah. What, um... Can you talk a little bit about acceptance? I feel like that, that loving acceptance is a big part of that. What, uh, one part, one thing that I am, am constantly improving on is the type of, of, of acceptance of some sorts of where things are now and being like completely like 
joyful with where things are now and trust that the vision is is coming towards you um because i feel like that's a, a big part especially like with naming the emotions like because I would get good at naming the emotions, but at the same time, then I realized that I was also kind of resisting them. <laughs> mm -hmm. It is, you know, acceptance happens slowly and over time and it won't happen unless you show up and do it. So, um, you know, acceptance happens by acknowledging acceptance happens by the meditation or seeing the positive side um, acceptance is just simply repetition and compassion. So you just got to repeat and you have to be super compassionate with yourself. And what acceptance is not is being a victim. So a lot of folks say, I don't want to accept that this happened, or I don't want to accept these emotions, or I don't want to accept um, who I am because they align it with victimhood or the less than or something, you know where they're not understanding that acceptance is liberation. Acceptance is power. But acceptance finds you working. Um, so um, it won't hit you overnight. Um, you are accepting. You are in the act of accepting every time you sit down to meditate, every time you sit down to process, every time you sit down, even when there is a rebuttal, you are working closer to that acceptance. So I, you know, that's probably the best answer I can give because it's different for everyone and the yeah. timeline is different and the best way to reach acceptance is to understand that you're in it you are in it i am working on accepting i am working on it right and as you work on it it's about not embodying the woe is me the victim it is happening to me as i am accepting it i am taking power over the situation accepting comes with accountability and responsibility mm -hmm. Right. I am the hero of this story. I am the shero of this story. I accept. I accept the challenge. And I find it also comes with a lot of patience because you have to be able to, you get to be able to enjoy whatever you are feeling, thinking, wherever you are in your life, like now. And, and be clear where you're kind of going, but, and then trust that it's coming, but it's like being so patient because you're, because a lot of the, um, the action to get to somewhere can also be out of like an impatience or a fear or, or a rejection or resistance to what is. So that's really cool. I, I loved when you mentioned, um, or something that stuck out, stuck out for me when you're saying you're not so much of like a fan of like affirmations and I, it kind of, I got curious how you kind of set maybe your goals or intentions when some, when somebody asks, you know, what are your goals or, or how do you, how do you yeah. clarify them? Mm -hmm. So affirmations, I think my big beef with them is they're not a reasonable expectation. I am confident. I am whole. Everyone loves me. <laughs> you know, like, let's get reasonable, man. Let's get with the reasonable expectations because that rebuttal that comes back is asking you to be a little bit more reasonable and logical. So with my um, goals, I, I like to just have an inventory of wins. And that can be small 
And that could be big, but most of all, it depends on that damn day and how I started it and how I am. Some days I'm a lot more productive. Some days I'm a lot more brave. Some days I'm a lot more clear and some days I'm not. So um, for affirmations, I'm not saying don't do them. Just don't make them general. Don't make them lofty. Come back to that small, you know, sometimes you just need a daily affirmation. You know, uh, today I will send that pitch. Today I will choose happiness. You know, just today, um, and and so it's it, to me, it's reasonable expectations. So, however you goal set, however you come to your to do list, however you plan out your months or years, come with a reasonable expectation. Right? Don't come to your New Year's resolution in a few months saying, I'm going to start saving money. I'm going to start working out. I'm going to start eating well. No, no, no. Let's pick one at a time. Right? If you're going to start saving money, then you're going to say, I'm going to, I'm going to stop getting coffee three days a week. Like, get so granular. Get so basic. And then you'll feel the win. And you'll set yourself up to succeed. It's it's interesting with when how you're mentioning a lot of the affirmations or or goals, it's a lot of like, I will or I'm going to. I like to do it, whether it's goal setting or setting an intention, written in the present tense, as if it's already happened. So it's like curious because if you're, I'd like to just like add on if you're the. I think the reason I think we're on the same page as far as affirmations go is if it's kind of in the future, it's, or if it's too kind of out there, <laughs> sometimes I have trouble with the right words, <laughs> but sometimes, but if it's like too grandiose, your mind, like you won't believe it. Like it won't be able to pass through. Like you're, you're the, the only way that they work is if you can actually feel it. So if you say like, and that's what, where the time also comes in. Like if you feel like I am wealthy, like I can, I can actually like feel it. Like maybe monetarily wise, not just yet, but in other ways like that you can, you can, it passes through. And then the, cause otherwise if you, in different ways, I think that you're mentioning the mind not, might not be, it'll be like, oh yeah, you sure you are. <laughs> Your the voice like the different voice you have to um, acknowledge your name that we were speaking about yeah. earlier. So do you, when you set kind of goals or something, do you like put it in a present tense? I again, it depends on that rebuttal because let's say I say I am wealthy, and then like you said, no, you're not, and it goes on and on and on with a list of why you're not. Do you realize how much more time you've spent on that rebuttal and yeah, exactly. it becomes more, it weighs more than the I am. So the reason that I say I will is because I want my brain to understand that I am in action now. Because when we say I am and we're not fully embodying it, you could look in the mirror and say that and write it on your mirror and repeat it and repeat it and repeat it. But you're saying the same thing and your brain is, your brain is literally telling me, give me the proof, damn it. Your brain asks for the proof. Your brain wants to start, middle, and end. Your brain you know, absorbs in stories. And so the story of the affirmation becomes that rebuttal, and that's what I want to change. Interesting. Right? So if you want to stick to the I am, say, today, I am 
you know, going to yeah. whatever it is, because I want the action to be there. So perhaps you say, I am wealthy because today I am going to that, 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 that. So um, what I want the most for people to understand from affirmations is to not get caught up in the narrative of the rebuttal, to pivot that rebuttal to be more about action-based and for your, so your brain understands, yeah, we're actually doing this actively right now. It's happening. And that's why I am. That's why I like the, um, like med doing it kind of within meditation and using meditation as more of a rehearsal to, to dive in inwards and really kind of feel because then, because then when I can really envision because our, huh? it's a lot of practice that Joe Dispenza teaches and I'm actually going to see him tomorrow in Houston. But because our body is objective, if in meditation, I can get a clear intention and vision of how I want to, what I want, let's say uh, you and I to go on a cruise and I picture that cruise that we're on and we're hanging out on the balcony, going to a comedy show, walking through the hallways, you know, get that very clear. And this is all in my head. And then I can actually get to the point where my body feels that it's happening and I embody it. Then when I'm done with the meditation and I get up and I am, I am wealthy, I'm at this cruise. I, because I've felt it, it's like it's already happened. So then the affirmations can pass through. So it's like an, so I, I like to do that as well with the different, like I am wealthy because I'm going to do this. I like to embody it as if it's already happened. I love that. I think it's uh, so powerful, right? Visualizing, imagining, letting it be real in your body. Um, and that takes a, a great strength in itself because I know there's been a time in my life where I couldn't even imagine, mm. right? Forget an affirmation. I couldn't even visualize or daydream. No, because the rebuttal was so strong. Um, so, you know, there's different steps of uh, manifesting, of finding our voice, of tapping in and rewiring ourselves. And it's really understanding where are we at on that journey, is the rebuttal so strong that we just need to get real tactical and, and super small wins? Or is, are we tapped into that affirmation and the rebuttal isn't that strong, so now I can visualize and manifest? So it's understanding where you are in the journey and respecting your process. That's beautiful. Before we get to kind of the conclusion of this wonderful interaction, um, can we talk a little bit more about listening? Where I love how you're getting to listening to oneself, listening to your voice, naming the different emotions, putting it on paper that we've discussed a little bit, many different practices, and your book also dives more into it. What does listening mean to you? I feel like I've one thing I really am passionate about is listening, and listening is so deep. Like I can listen to this conversation, but it's another thing to really listen and and embody it um listening 
Well, there's two types of listening. Um, there's one listening to yourself and, li and being able to listen to, to someone else. Mm -hmm. um, listening for me is an act of self-awareness, period. Whether you're listening to yourself or someone else. And um, the biggest thing I would say with listening is having self-regulation. Because anyone can listen to themselves and hear all the noises inside and why we named the voices and so on and so forth. But then it's... Um, regulating what you're going to act on understanding what you're listening to so am i listening you know i i really like to make decisions in times of high emotion because i'm listening to like okay if the high emotion is joy and and high creativity or or the other you know i, I like to be in that middle space because sometimes those big outbursts of positive emotions will, will steer you away, right? It's, it's a front sometimes. So listening is um, understanding how to self-regulate. So with yourself, you've named all the different voices, and then you decide what to do with them. The voice gives you a choice. Listening with the, when it comes to another person, for me, is stop filling in the blank. So we fill in the blank because we have our brain wants a one and done cognitive bias. And that's where those judgments come form. And uh, for me, listening to, to another person is one that self-awareness. So if you do hear, Hey, um, judgmental Judy or psychic Phyllis is actually filling in the blank for that other person, you know, and you're like, wanting to nod and, you know, interject and intervene or say, yeah, I totally relate to that. That's actually not listening. That's the cognitive bias. That's filling in the blank. That's wanting them to know, hey, I relate to you, but you're not actually being active in, in that moment. Um, so there's two different types of listening. And, and that self-regulation helps so much when you're listening to other folks as well, because you want to, and even if it's the purest intentions, to allow them to know that they are heard. Um, when we dive in or say me too, uh, we're not actually truly listening. So yeah. I hope that answered your question. <laughs> Definitely. And I, I hope it can help anyone else listening as well. <laughs> Listen, hearing. Wow. Do you, in your own practice and kind of during the morning and I have not read your book just yet, but you might put it in there. But are there any kind of daily questions you like to ask yourself or something to get you into the right mode daily? Like it's something like uh, what's important now or if today was the last day of my life, what I want to be doing, what I want to do, what I'm going to do today. Something that like when you read it, you're like, hell yeah. Well, for me to be, um, you know, I'm, I'm a, a little different than some folks, so this may work, this may not. Um, my PTSD and survival mode has been, has been triggered a bit. So for me, it's more important to make sure that I'm not in survival mode. Okay. And that starts with when I wake up. Uh, one hand on the chest, one hand on the belly, and just reminding myself I am safe in this space. I am safe in this space. I am safe. Um, 
if it's a day of high anxiety um, or I'm not feeling grounded, I can sit on the edge of my bed and dig my heels into the ground, do four second inhales, six second exhales with a pause in between. So, um, and if I, you know, if I'm just wanting, let's say I'm not waking up with any of that, uh, any of my fight or flight or survival mode triggered. Um, and I just want to have a positive start to the day. I go back to the breathing and just smiling, literally just smiling, just smiling, eyes closed, you know, just smiling, just letting the serotonin do its thing and accept, accepting welcoming thoughts. So for me, it's been, um, I found that when I tried to have one specific practice, I would end up feeling guilty in the times that I didn't do it. So I said, okay, now it's more like, what is the season you're in right now? Right. Is it the season of high anxiety? Is it the season that you're calmer? And understanding, okay, I'm going to give myself the practice this morning that I need, whatever that is. Do I have more time to, you know, to make this few breaths and actual, um, a few sun salutations, you know? So, um, but those would be the basic things. Breathing, one hand on the chest, one hand on the belly. Nice. Smiling silently. And if I wake up and just feel like, you know, and a lot of us do get up and roll, get right to it, get on the phone, get on the laptop, whatever. I could sit on the edge of my bed, dig my heels into the earth and take those four second inhales, six second exhales at least three times. And that just starts me off. Right. Because a lot of us, I think, just get out and go. Here we go. Here we go. Yeah. Coffee, you know, meetings with my day look like. What am I going to wear? Take the dog out to potty, feed the kids, you know. So uh, that, that helps grounding first thing. Nice. Well, before I ask my final question, I want to really say my gratitude and thank you to you for taking the time to speak with me for one. Uh, another, bringing such calm energy and clarity to this conversation and for all that you've offered for me and people who were listening whether in, the, in your book and all the different tips and questions and and ways to really observe one's oneself one's one's thoughts one's feelings which is one's personal personality and with that like different practices and and time and learning acceptance uh so thank you a pleasure thank you i my voice wouldn't reach folks if it wasn't for you so you are my reflection sir i appreciate your voice and your effort and having some really good questions for me to answer <laughs> what is the gift you'd like to share with the world Ooh, to let you know that what you can say can impact the world just say it don't hold yourself back now is not the time to be quiet awesome sahar how can people get a hold of you and uh, your your site own your voice and then your book as, as, as well uh you can find me on all the social media platforms sahar paz s-a-h-a-r-p-a-z um, my website, saharpaz.com, has the Find Your Voice book on it. You can purchase it there. I'm happy to sign it for you. It's on Amazon as well. And Own Your Voice is ownyourvoice.org, O-R-G. And we're a personal branding firm that wants to build and brand conscious leaders. 
Awesome. Well, thanks again so much for taking the time to speak with me. My pleasure. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you very much for listening to today's episode and for all the wonderful guests, which I hope have brought you some great value. I really appreciate all the support throughout both of these seasons and look forward to what is next. Until next time, you can stay up to date with me at SolomonEzra.com. That's S-O-L-O-M-O-N-E-Z-R-A.com.